0: Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.
1: We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chat. One
0: thirty-three in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stofford Derek Scott, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Royal Pizza, pizza past and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated 50 plus years for a menu and a list of their locations. Go to uh, royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. 14 locations in the Edmonton area, one in in, uh, Red Deer five in Calgary one in Regina one in Saskatoon. Stoffer recommendation Royal Pizza, the Mediterranean chicken. Uh, so we were talking to John Shannon just before break. David Staples coming up from the cult of hockey uh, about the, about the Elks and I and I said to John like I get lots of texts complaining about the name change and saying they're not buying and. Randy disagrees. Randy says, Bob, blaming the name change as a reason that the Edmonton Football Club no longer draws flies is the equivalent of blaming Devin Shore that the Oilers uh, did not win in the Stanley Cup playoffs last year. Again, uh, you can text us at 780 496 0063. This text, though, comes in from Jumpin' Jack Flash. He says, Bob, on Victor, it was time for him to go and something had to happen. Uh, is the name change the only thing that got wrong? No. But to the 150% loyal fans who put butts in their seats and stadiums and paid dollars, it was a thing. Change back and get the community back. Took too many things for granted. A lot more competition in the market. Uh, stingers and soccer and everything. That one comes to us from uh, jumping Jack Flash. I don't think we're going back to the Eskimos, just so I know. Just, just so you know. I don't foresee that happening. Well, our next guest—he is when you look up the uh, the word "woke" in the dictionary. I don't think he's the first person that uh, comes. We welcome back to the show from the Cult of Hockey, David Staples. Hello, David. How you doing? Great, Bob. How are you doing? Good. You know what? There are there are people left of center that hate the word "woke." They think it's a lazy word used by people from the uh, primarily from the right or even from the center. Right? Is it a fair uh, uh, descriptive word? What do you think?
1: Uh, well, it used to be people used to be proud to say they were woke, and then uh, woke became associated with some excesses, um, bad policies, okay, uh, things people didn't like. Okay, you know, suddenly they don't like, people don't like to be called woke. There is a, if you're you know if you're interested in the um, woke mindset, uh, Michael Schellenberger an American journalist, and uh, Peter Bogosian, a professor from the University of Oregon, did a very good description of all the you know ideology that goes along with being woke. So if people wonder what it is, it's a whole kind of constellation of views over a number of different issues, and they can Google that and uh, see the definition of woke according to these two uh, American thinkers.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, David, because when I was on campus in the late 80s, Uh, You know, sometimes a percentage of uh, the more narrow-minded thinkers might have been to the far right uh, and and wanted you only to have their views. Uh, And I would tell you that in the last few years on campuses, um, some of that you must think like us or else uh, will destroy you. Some of that maybe doesn't come from the right no more, you know what I'm saying?
1: comes from, I mean, it's, it's endemic to the human condition that we all love our ideas and think we're right and don't have much humility about it. So we all have to be on the lookout for it. Um, it and the, the blinder a group of people is to that condition... The worse they're going to be, and maybe we could say that in recent years, yeah, people who are woke have been pretty blind to that condition in themselves. Uh,
0: I, you know, I'm a. I certainly keep an eye on some of the stuff that uh, Eric and Brett uh, Weinstein put out. Because they're pretty smart theorists, and uh, nobody would consider them to be far, far right wingers. Uh, it's a, it's interesting their perspective on, on maybe how society's change over the last several years. I, look, we get you for the cult of hockey and the other stuff. Do you, do you care about the the Edmonton Elks? I mean, you're an Albertan, you're an Edmontonian. Do you care about the football team?
1: I don't. <laughs> I hate to <laughs> wow. say that, Bob. I don't. <laughs> wow. I, I just don't care anymore. Like, I haven't been a fan for, like, 20 years. And I, I could still name every player, probably, or many of the, the starting lineup of the 1980s dynasty Eskimos. Yeah. But it lost me somewhere along the way, like, about 20, 30 years ago. And I, I can't say why. And I, I just don't care. I, I mean, I don't care about the Toronto Blue Jays. I don't care about the NFL. I don't care about all kinds of sports that I used to. Okay.
0: Well, I care. I, I am, as you know, I'm a big NCAA college football junkie, a huge yeah. NFL junkie. I love the fall in the States. Uh, and I realize hockey's like ninth on the uh, uh, ledger for what they're going to talk about on ESPN when we're down there. You know, like the the, the impact college football has in the South is unbelievable. It is yeah. off the charts. Um, uh, you know, but... You you know, your your, uh, blog is called The Cult of Hockey, and it primarily focuses on the Edmonton Oilers. So, one of the discussion points we've had over the last couple days, David, are the Edmonton Oilers a legitimate uh, contender? Or, conversely, is this just uh, Bob Stauffer from the Oilers Entertainment Group stoking the fires on it? Because I will tell you, from my perspective... I sense this is the most confident the fan base has been about their team in about 30 years. What do you think?
1: Well, that's true, Bob. Just I, I'm sure public opinion um, is that way, and you know, we're all projecting into the future. And because I'm a fan, um, you know, I, I want them to win. So, so it's it's just it's hard to project, but we can say, and I, I think you've made this point. I think they've won more. Play, as many playoff series? How many playoff series they won? They've they've won. They won, they won, they won, they won um, they've played five playoff,
0: playoff series. Yeah, five playoff series the last two years they've played. That's tied played from. In. That's right. That's tied for the most in the league.
1: So they, that's 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 a signal that this is a, a strong team. I mean, here's the thing: when you look at teams that have superstar hockey players, Connor McDavid is one of the greatest hockey players who have ever lived. Those players tend to take their teams to Stanley Cups. Now, it's harder to do than ever before because there's 32 teams. There's not six teams. Or there's not 21 teams like there was when there was Wayne Gretzky. So it's, it's that much more difficult to be the team that wins it all but you get this kind of player and then you start to surround him uh leon Dreisel, who could become a top 50 player all time in the nhl what do you mean could become
0: he's already a top 50
1: player all time (laughs) i don't think he is i think he's about yeah i think he's 60 about 50 to 75 somewhere in there so you you have these two unbelievable hockey players and then you start to surround them with really good other players uh, and a good coaching staff, a coaching staff that shows it's, it's adept at handling modern players and can learn. Um, I mean, I, I think that they're in the top. I think when, when all the prognosticators come out um, in, the, in about a month and, and make their predictions for this year, the Orders will be in the top two or three teams uh, in the NHL in terms of predictions. And heading into the playoffs, even before last year's playoffs, number of sites, analytical sites, had them as the most likely team to win the Stanley Cup last year. This was, you know, before Colorado got knocked out of the playoffs and uh, before even with Boston doing so well. There were some sites that just thought the Oilers were a better team at that point. So this is a team with a real track record. It's got superstar talent. It just needs it just needs to come together a little bit in terms of strategy, and they need better goaltending. And and yeah, this is it's just a fantastic hockey team, and it's and you know they've added a good piece in Connor Brown. So I I don't know. I I just think they're going to win the cup. But uh, again, I'm biased.
0: I think you know, two of the guys that they got to get some traction with, David, are going to be Dylan Holloway and Philip Roberg. And I know people say, well, wait a sec, Stoff. You know, they got three lefties, three righties, and they could play Ekholm and Bouchard, and they could play Nurse and CC, and they could play, uh, you know, Kulak and De And I don't think those are going to be the parents. Like I, I think they got to find a way to get Broberg. I mean, that's an eighth overall pick. He's done enough of, uh, you know, articling if he was a lawyer. It's time to take that next step. Like, you no longer be the understudy, get some full-time time. And in Holloway's case, we all thought the big step was going to take place last year after a great rookie tournament. He was stellar in that tournament. Best any player has looked in that tournament ever. And I've been at all of them. Uh, now, Advantage, because he's a couple years older than, you know, Nugent Hopkins or Hall or McDavid or yeah. Settle were in their years. Uh but he got derailed last year during the regular season, and I—I I, what's a realistic? Give me your perspective as to what you think's realistic for what Dylan Holloway and Philip Broberg, uh, uh, you know, could potentially achieve this year, and how important they are because the orders need to—they do need a supporting cast.
1: Well, there could be injury, and then they'll need lots of good players. Um, so, so Philip Broberg has excelled at every level he's ever played at he he did really well in the ahl uh he's done well um as a third pairing defenseman in the nhl he and evan bouchard when they when they were together they did well he was playing strong defensive hockey and what i see from from uh, broberg is just a very fundamentally sound defensive hockey player with outstanding skating skills it's really hard to get around that player he really skates well and I don't want to uh, damn him with praise, like put too much pressure on the guy. There is a class of defensemen that Connor McDavid has trouble against. It's these guys who can really, really skate well. And um, we've seen him go up against players like, um, in the past, Mark Edward Vlasic, uh Morrissey in Winnipeg. Um, there's Cale McCarr and Devon Taves in Colorado. Slavin and Pesci. Slavin and Pesci. Slavin and Pesci. The outstanding skaters can shut down uh, great attackers. And I think that Philip Broberg might be, in terms of his overall skating ability, the best defenseman on the Oilers right now. That guy can skate. And he just needs... he needs opportunity, and um, he didn't get it last year. There wasn't that much injury on the team, and then they needed some physical toughness. So DeHarney moved ahead of him. But I agree, Bob. I think he's ready for the NHL. He's definitely ready for third pairing, and he might be ready for more than that. And the fact is, the orders can't afford. They can't keep. You, you can't keep all of your veteran players. They just cost too much. For a little while at least, Broberg and Holloway will be cheaper. Yeah. And Holloway, he, you know, obviously he's got a tremendous package of. Size, skating ability, and puck handling. Um, we don't yet know how well he thinks the game. Uh, again, he's excelled at every level of hockey he played at. As a center in college hockey, he was dominant. And he was a good player in the AHL. So he looks like he's ready probably for a third-line duty. And, and the question is, could he be top six? But in the next two years, a few years, these players will be a little cheaper than other players, even if they do well. And um, this is why the, the Oilers need them to step up, because they're not going to be able to keep all of their high-priced players. They're going to have to move out some of them, and they, they're going to need constant turnover on this team.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, we'll, we'll have to uh, wait and see what ends up uh, transpiring on that front. You, uh, you wanted to talk about the Edmonton Oilers adding a player from the Toronto Marlies, um, a very subtle signing that Edmonton made. The big focus for the addition on the farm was signing Ben Gleason, who had played well for Texas Stars, Dallas's farm team. They elected to re-sign Alex Petrovich to uh, Dallas, and the Oilers bucked up and got Ben Gleason. But there was another guy that they added on the back end, and it's on his first uh, NHL deal. Why do you like it?
1: Joel hoffenmeyer is his name. I think he's 23, 24 this year. He's played, I think, three AHL seasons. After being, a, a he played one year overage in Ottawa. He was a fourth round pick in Phoenix, and they didn't sign him, so um, signed as a free agent by Toronto. Anyway, he was a, he was an outstanding, very, very, very good uh, puck moving offensive player in uh, major junior hockey. He's got a great shot, and um, he's good with the puck, but. Um, Again, he didn't get signed by Arizona. And he played a couple years in minor pro for Toronto, and he was in the ECHL. And then, not last year, but the season before, right at the end of the year, he gets called up to the AHL team. And what happened at that point and last season is his penalty... Total started to go through the roof, and I was thinking, what's going on? This guy didn't take that many penalties, Like, and and suddenly it doubled. He got like 114 minutes, I think, last year, Um, second most on his team. And it turns out he got in a lot of fights. He got into six fights last year, which is a lot of fights now for a player, and two fights at the end of the previous season when he played 10 games when he was called up from the ECHL to the EHL. So I went to HockeyFights.com and I just was wondering, okay, what's going on in these fights? And again and again and again, Bob, Noel Hoffenmeyer was coming to the aid of teammates who got clobbered with nasty hits. He was standing up for them in, in fights. And I think it suddenly occurred to this player who, is, who has possibly always had or could have the skill to play as a bottom-pairing defenseman in the NHL possibly, like the skill is there. He, he uh, was on the power play with the Barleys, uh, got like almost 40 points. I think he's figured out what a lot of players never figure out that NHL teams need and crave toughness and they need and crave players who are willing to fight for their teammates and suddenly he took this upon himself and he's he's added that element to his game and uh, I, I think it's a really tough element to add if you're not used to doing that and I don't think he was because it's to get in fights so you you, when we listen to fighters we hear about the stress before games the fear that they that they have but this guy suddenly decided he i think he's decided he wants doesn't want to be in the echl maybe not the hl he wants to be in the nhl and he's going to get there not just with his skill but he's going to start adding that real uh hard physical element to his game
0: great stuff david thank you for your time not everybody loves you you think that's okay you know what they used to say right ken reed used to say this Love me or hate me, just don't like me. I think based upon some of the texts that I'm getting right now, you've uh, you've got that in our marketplace, so congratulations.
1: Thanks, Bob. I think the only people who want to be loved are like Joseph Stalin, you know, the great dictator. They want everybody to love him, so I think that's not a very good trait to have.
0: I, I, I'm i sensing today there's a lot of people that admire a lot of Stalin's work these days. Anyhow, thanks, man. Thanks, Bob. You've at 148 at Edmonton. Uh, this is what there is now.
1: This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630
0: Chad, We are going to go to this day in Oilers history at 151 in Edmonton. Uh, it's brought to you by New West Travel, serving travelers since 1979. Book your vacation today at newwestravel.com. On this date, man, uh, it is light. It's August the 18th. Former Edmonton Oilers defenseman Steve Smith came out of retirement and joined the Calgary Flames as a player back in 97, uh 1998. He was an assistant coach the previous season after retiring as a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. Ah, oh, Steve. Now, do you know where Steve Smith is now? Let's see what you got, see how much juice you have. You can text us on the Ashley Fine-Floritz text line. Steve Smith has an obvious connection to this show. Figure out where he's coaching these days and who he's coaching with. We mentioned the guy on the air already today. Well, uh, it has been an interesting start to the season, to say the least, uh, for you are on uh, the right mic. There we go. Uh, for the Edmonton Elks, we're joined right now by Brendan Escott, uh, who's got the countdown to the kickoff show. It begins today at 4 o'clock. Victor Cui out as chairman of the uh, Edmonton mm-hmm. Elks. You should see some of the texts I'm getting today, boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's some people that are, have, uh, eh, the whole name change thing. Like there's, there's a percentage of people that don't think it impacted the fan base. It impacted the fan
2: base. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe how many texts we get on it on a daily basis. When I opened up the phone lines the day I hosted, so Tuesday nights, which is the, the day that the news came down, somehow still it all worked its way back around to here's why we're upset, the name changed, you guys should have done proper, um, you know, polling of the fan base, et cetera. It was the same conversation that went on three years ago.
0: Now, we do know that the Edmonton Eskimos organization reached out to various communities and did not get a lot of negative response at that time. And then suddenly, a year or two later, boom, there was a name change. And there were certain individuals putting pressure on various corporate partners and uh, we've got. I've got three people have sent me links on stories on national publications about this, about how this all kind of went down. So I'm not surprised there's been as much of it. I can tell you, for a lot of the alumni players, they love the Eskimo name Bone Brotherhood of Nasty Eskimos. Right? It look. It's gonna be. It's never going back. That's the way it's gonna be. Can they start get going? Is this a new chapter under with Victor Quig on? What do you think?
2: I, I think so, and more importantly, now with uh, the breath of fresh air that was breathed in, even the week before with Jarius Jackson at OC with Trey Ford really being the guy yeah. that they're going to look at, and, and you know, I think the other experiments have proved to have failed at this point. So now you've got a guy that you spent the draft capital on. He's got uh, the the skill set. Just let him go out there and learn how to how to play the game properly. So Trey Ford getting a second start of this season, of course not. Um, he had the experience last year, actually won his only career game as a starter in Hamilton. It's his homecoming game. He grew up in Waterloo. They know him and love him out there in that region. So he's got a lot of uh, a lot of family and friends coming out once again. And hopefully Edmonton's able to manufacture a similar style win to last year, which was a defensive fumble with about 88 seconds left in the game to swing things. All right.
0: Uh, what time? Who do you got on the uh, countdown to the kickoff show? Well, we, uh,
2: we're going to talk with uh, Blake. If you missed the conversation that I had with Tom Richards on Inside Sports, we are going to play that one again. Just bring everything back around, maybe put a bowl in the Victor Quee situation for the week, and we'll get you set for, uh, of course, what's a pretty important Week 11 matchup as Edmonton still searches for their first win against a 3-5 and Tabby's team.
0: Coming up on tomorrow's edition of Oilers Now, Edmonton winger Evander Kane will join us. Uh, Speaking of the Edmonton Eskimos, he spent a number of years there and some years in this building as well. Dave Jamison, Edmonton-based sports personality, is going to come in for half an hour, and Mooner Cam Moon as well. All coming up on the Friday edition of orders Now. Uh, no inside sports tonight. Countdown to the kickoff pregame at four o'clock. Kickoff with Morley—that's uh, with Brendan Escott, and the game itself with Morley Scott and Dave Campbell beginning at five thirty. Everybody have a terrific Thursday. Uh, it is Randy Kilburn with a Global News weather traffic update. Rob Breckenridge from two to three. Chelsea from three to four. Brandon Escott's got gotcha. you. Countdown till kickoff, four to five thirty, and then the game with Morley and Dave. So long, everybody from Oilers now.